Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, a holistic lifestyle and wellness podcast that's here to help you become the healthiest, happiest, most aligned version of yourself. I'm your host, Ava, a registered dietitian in training and health and wellness junkie. I'm so excited to have you here as I dive deep into meaningful conversations covering topics from nutrition and mental health to spirituality and self-development and everything in between with experts in many fields. I'm so happy you're choosing to learn how to thrive today. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughts on Thriving. I am so excited for today's episode. We have such a treat today on the podcast. We have Unique Hammond as our lovely guest. And Unique is a holistic nutrition practitioner. She's a Crohn's disease survivor, a bean protocol specialist, which we will get into in this episode. She's the author of Your Taste Buds Are Assholes. And she's also a certified international health coach and life coach. And she has helped so many individuals balance their hormones, heal gut imbalances, heal their diseases, inflammatory autoimmune diseases, inflammatory bowel diseases, all through the incredible power of beans. So I heard Unique share her story on a podcast that I love listening to a few years ago, and she has inspired me so much. She's inspired me to eat more beans than I already do. She's just such a light and I had such a fun time talking with her and hearing her story in depth and I think that this is going to be such an informative and inspiring episode for anyone even if you're not dealing with any type of disease or health imbalance. I think there's so much to take away from this entire episode. We talk about so many things. We talk about Unique's own journey of battling Crohn's disease and why balance doesn't work for everyone especially when it comes to healing We talk about intuitive eating and the connection between your relationship with yourself and your relationship with food. We talk about eating disorders and how Unique heals hers and just want to put out a trigger warning for that if anyone is sensitive or gets triggered by any eating disorder talk that does end up being discussed in the middle of the episode. And then we talk about the incredible healing power of beans and we talk about the bean protocol and how to actually detoxify your body, how to balance your hormones and heal inflammatory bowel diseases and IBS and things of that nature. And so this episode is just so amazing and I can't wait for you all to hear it. I had such a fun time recording this one and I hope you all enjoy it. But before I go, I just want to remind you to please rate and review the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. Spotify now has rating available for podcasts. So if you listen on Spotify, make sure to give it five stars. And just follow us on Instagram at thoughts.on.thriving where we update you all on new episodes and have a lot of fun, inspiring content over there. And we also are on TikTok at thoughts.on.thriving. And the last way you can support the show is to send these episodes to a friend that you think will benefit from them. Share it on social media, on your Instagram story, and make sure to tag us at thoughts.on.thriving if you do. Okay, here is the episode with Unique. Without further ado, I think you guys are going to love this one. Let me know what you think over on Instagram or in the reviews and enjoy. All right, welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, Unique. How are you today? I am. Oh, you know what? I vowed to be honest and I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being honest. Cause me too. And I keep telling people I'm good, but 
yeah, I'm exhausted. So I'm so tired. I've been watching this puppy and for a family member who's um, traveling and I forgot how much work it is to take care of a puppy and how they wake you up all night. And I'm just like, today I was like, I'm a zombie. I'm I'm a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) They're like children. It's like having a baby. They're like children, but it's like, you're afraid they're going to poo and pee everywhere if you don't take them out you know it's like they don't even have a diaper so you're just like oh great if I don't take you out I'm gonna step in some poo so (laughs) thank you for being honest I do appreciate that and I already did kind of give you a little intro before to the audience but I'd love for you to introduce yourself to all of us from your perspective and just tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are So I trained in holistic nutrition, life coach, health coach, author, um, and I mostly 100% of the time work with the bean protocol um, because the bean protocol saved my life. And um, when something is that powerful, it's hard to look away. Um, I also trained as an AIP coach. I felt like it's important to understand all of the different elements in autoimmune because autoimmune is so complex. So um, anytime there's more to learn about autoimmune, I'm the first person to kind of sign up and, and dig in and learn more. Wow. So what is an AIP coach exactly? AIP goes through the autoimmune protocol, which is a leg of the paleo protocol. Um, yeah. Interesting. So I know you have an amazing healing journey and I'd love for you to share a little bit more with your audience. Cause when I heard your story initially on another podcast a while ago, it was so amazing to hear and so inspiring. And I would love for other people to be able to hear it as well. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, In my 20s, I would say that I grew up kind of like an anxious kid, very anxious and very shy. And um, and I I say that because I feel like that was a foreshadowing. Um, And actually, the more research I've done on autoimmune disorders, a lot of times they can be um, tracked back to childhood traumas and, um, you know, kind of like a dysregulated nervous system. And so there's it's interesting to me to look back and go, oh, this interesting thread kind of was a precursor to where I ended up. Um, so, and then I just didn't take care of myself. I was an absolute sugar addict, you know, it's healthy sugar, I would say to myself, and I would eat a lot of it, of the healthy sugar. And I would also eat really bad sugar. And I probably drank way too much, um, in my twenties and definitely disrupted my gut biome without really understanding it because my gut biome on top of being an anxious person, you know, it was like, I'd never been diagnosed with, um, IBS at all, but I felt like that. Like, I felt like I'm a person who feels things really deeply and they would go right to my stomach, you know, uh, food, alcohol, everything kind of like I was very sensitive to. So in my late twenties, early thirties, I noticed that my stomach wasn't right. I was used to having really bad period poops and I was used to kind of like food setting me off and being sensitive, but things were different. Things were not course correcting as quickly as they had before in my early twenties, um, where I could just like be good for a few days and things would kind of course correct and things weren't course correcting the same way. And, um, I was having really bad acid reflux all the time. And so I, I, I saw doctors every year. I wasn't raised to respect the role of doctors, but as I left home, I was like, 
I love doctors. And my parents <laughs> were like, why? And I'm like, because they're amazing. And people are so passionate about their doctors. So whenever somebody was passionate about their doctor, I would literally book an appointment, even though I didn't have anything to talk about with them. I would just be like, <laughs> I'm going to roll up and I'm going to check out this doctor. And, you know, they'd be cool. And, and I, you know, they'd be like, so what are you here for today? And I'm like, just a checkup, just like, you know, check under the hood, make sure everything's working properly. <laughs> um, which was kind of interesting foreshadowing because, you know, I really didn't have anything wrong. Yeah, I had a little acid reflux or some upset, up, upset stomach, but there was no, like all my blood work was great. Everything was fine. There was no, nothing for them to really do. So when I started going back to these doctors with an issue, you know, they were still running my blood work and everything was fine, but I'm like, mm, something's not fine. I have this acid reflux and I'm young, you know, early thirties now, why do I have this acid reflux? Why do I have like loose bowels all the time? And they were like, oh, IBS or something, take some, you know, a proton pump inhibitor and some Tums or whatever, and send me on my merry, merry way. Right. So, but you can kind of feel like, even though I was pretty out of touch with my body, you could kind of feel that something wasn't right. I could, I could feel that something wasn't right. I could feel that there was like this shift that happened, but I didn't know how to interpret the shift. I was like, um, you know, so then I ignored it cause they were ignoring it. So I was like, okay, no big deal. Back to my life. Party, hardy, rock and roll, <laughs> keep working hard and, you know, being a mom and all that good stuff. And then the wheels started to fall off more. It was like, normally like things that happen around my cycle, the inflammation, the period poops was extending out further where like my gut was loose longer. And, um, and then after eating fruit that I bought on the side of the road, and that was interesting to me that I connected those two as like, Oh, that must've been it. But after that, my stomach was just loose all the time. And I was having multiple bowel movements every day. Wow. And I was like, oh, I must've had like a parasite on the fruit. And so I had that idea stuck in my head that it was a parasite on the fruit that caused me to have these gut issues. So went down the path of testing, you know, getting all of the mapping of my gut and looking at, you know, doing all of the poop tests and nothing came back except like some inflammatory markers that were not anything significant, you know, um, so I was like, okay, but it must. So I had, I walked around with this funny story and I only remembered it just now, by the way, that I walked around with this funny story for such a long time that it was like, it was the fruit that was something wrong with the roadside <laughs> fruit. Really funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, they couldn't find anything. And so I continued to see the doctors and, and what it was interesting to me was that the doctors that I saw when I was healthy suddenly as things started to fall apart, they really didn't know what to do with me. Cause I went from being this kind of picture of health person, um, who worked out all the time and was working a hard job and traveling all the time for work and a mom and, you know, excelling quote unquote in life, um, to a person who was dragging behind and losing weight rapidly. I'm five, seven and roughly sit around 130 pounds. And I was dropping weight rapidly, um, wow. with how much I was using the bathroom all the time. And just nauseous, like nausea started to kick in and it was just pretty awful. And I would say that I lived in this really kind of in-between gray area of no diagnosis, scared to get a diagnosis for a couple of years of just wow. not wellness. Yeah. Uh, um, just not well, no diagnosis based on blood work, no diagnosis based on symptoms other than possible IBS. And 
I remember I went to this kinesiologist who did a bunch of muscle testing on me and it was a little esoteric even for me. And I was like, but I'm in, you know, I'm in. And she put me on a ton of supplements and it was interesting. It was almost like it built this dam where I felt like I was like kind of semi-stable for a little while with all of these supplements I was taking. And every time I went in, she'd give me a new supplement. Uh Um, And I was like in this interesting hold pattern. And in that hold pattern, I did some traveling and I went back to living my normal life because I didn't have this diagnosis yet. I was just like, oh, well, I can go back to having alcohol. Ooh, alcohol doesn't taste that great, but maybe I'll have a little bit anyway. Uh, sugar doesn't make me feel great, but maybe I'll have some anyway because I don't have a diagnosis. It's, you know, I'm living in this gray area. And I got back from that trip and um, was kind of okay, was getting acupuncture and Chinese herbs and um, loosely kind of like following an Ayurvedic diet, you know, doing kachari and everything. And then the bottom just fell out where didn't matter what supplements she put me on. My gut was just, my gut had gone wild. It was like inflammation all the time, waking up in the middle of the night, nauseous, bleeding with bowel movements. And Oh my God. Yeah. There's something really scary about blood coming out of an area that is not yeah. supposed to come, you know, as a girl, you're like, my period came early. No, no, that's not actually what's happening. It's uh, yeah. And that was the moment that like the life drained out of me when I turned around and realized that I was pooping blood pretty consistently and um, wow. alerted my doctors, alerted my Chinese medicine doctor. You know, he was like, you need to see a GI and it's time to like figure this thing out. Um, I'd been seeing a GI and we'd been running testing on me, but still nothing had really illuminated itself. And I made probably a colonoscopy appointment three different times and canceled it because I was so scared of going under. And, and I, to be honest, I was just really scared with coming up with cancer or something. Um, and I didn't even know about Crohn's and colitis and ulcerative colitis at that point, it wasn't something on my radar. Nobody I knew had it as far as I knew, you know, it wasn't just a thing people talk about and people don't talk about poo. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> like how's your bowel movement today? And it's funny cause that's all I do now, but anyway, so <laughs> I finally went through with the colonoscopy and, you know, he was like, you have Crohn's disease and it's pretty advanced. Um, here are the pictures. And I was like, whoa, don't show me that. That's that's so gross. Um, but instead of what I was surprised by is that instead of waking up to a diagnosis and feeling fear, I woke up to the diagnosis and felt empowered. And it was such an interesting feeling because he was in the foggy state I was in. He was like, you have Crohn's, it's an autoimmune disorder. Um, There's really nothing you can do about it. Some people do okay with diet, but most people end up doing surgery and um, immune suppressants for the rest of their life. There's biologics, there's, you know, he gave me, he was giving me all these options and I was just kind of listening to him in a fog. Like I can heal this. That's the crazy thought. I can heal this. Like, yeah, I know he's telling me I'm going to have this for life and it's an autoimmune disorder and it's a genetic, whatever. But all I could hear was I can heal this. And he was like, so like, you know, I recommend getting on Pentessa, I think it's called, which is like a kind of a stage one anti-inflammatory that you can go on and, and, uh, here's your prescriptions for this and prescriptions for that. And I was just kind of like in this haze. And then when the haze wore off, I started researching the internet and, my heart kind of dropped as I got deeper into the realities of what Crohn's disease meant. And 
he was like, join a support group. You're going to need it. I kind of like, yeah, I kind of like poked my nose into online groups and, and, and I was so scared by what I was seeing. I was seeing all of these people talk about their um, journey and how many surgeries they'd had and um, the side effects of the biologics and um, being on medications and their pancreas, you know, kind of no longer working and just the kind of like the, the flip side, right? Like the list of, of side effects that are possible that were happening to all of these people. And uh, I was just like, oh shit, like what happened? How did this happen to me? How did I go from being like the healthiest and running hills and working too hard and drinking moderately amounts and, you know, maybe not sleeping as well as I could, but Hey, I, I was eating salads and I was kind of paying attention. Like, how did this happen? Like, how did that happen? Um, so I was shell-shocked for a little while. I bet that's not to be taken lightly inflammatory bowel diseases. Those are very serious conditions. And it's, I, I appreciate that you're sharing this because everyone may think they're healthy. They may think they're doing it all right, but it can all come crashing down in a day if you're not actually taking care of yourself in the right way. So, and I was young, I was, yeah, I was very early thirties, um, and had no poor blood work up to that point. And I was a once a year person of getting blood work. And, you know, to that point, there was no, it literally, when I think of epigenetics and turning on and turning off genes, I think of this, you know, they say like your lifestyle, um, you know, you have your genes load the gun or your, your genes load the gun and your lifestyle pulls the trigger kind of thing. And all I could think was like, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't really contemplate my health. Not really. I was superficial with my health. I was, how do I look versus how do I feel versus, Hey, when I drink too much, I feel like crap and my harsh rate rates and I have races and I have diarrhea. That's not a good thing. I shouldn't be doing that versus, wow, I really like who I'm, who I am when I'm on tequila. I like that so much that it doesn't matter that my body is like, Oh, Hey, time out. Like this actually sucks for the rest of your, your body, you know? Okay. So maybe you feel a little less inhibited, but the rest of your, my body was pretty much like, <clears throat> this sucks for all of us, except for maybe the moment of the couple hours of laughter and feeling, you know, not so confined in yourself or whatever. Um, so I definitely didn't contemplate my health on a, on a major scale at all, other than, you know, was I the weight that I preferred to be? Mm-hmm. I think so many of us equate a good, healthy body weight or a skinny body with health. And it's so much more than that. And it's so not that. And I, to your (laughs) point with alcohol, I feel like everyone has certain symptoms after they drink that they just completely ignore. I don't think you were alone in that. I think maybe you, yes, you had a gene for Crohn's or yes, you were the one who got Crohn's, but other people have so many different things that they experience after they drink that they're ignoring day in and day out every Sunday morning when they go out on a Saturday night and they're just completely ignoring it. And I think that it catches up to you at some point, at one point or another, it's going to do some harm. Well, it's like, how much can you poison yourself before your body, you know, poison yourself, follow it up with usually poor choices 
poor drinking choices lead to poor food choices. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cycle, right? Of like, oh, you hear people talk about their favorite hangover foods, right? It's like a, it's like a fatty burger and a this right. or a whatever. It's like, so when you, when you look at the cycle of it, the whole cycle is inflammatory and the whole cycle is toxic. And if you're doing that on a regular basis, you're basically gambling that your body is going to be fine, but you're gambling, make no mistake. I was gambling. I just didn't know I was gambling because I wasn't at the, you know, I wasn't in Vegas sitting at a table. I didn't Uh think like, Oh, every time I choose to put crap in my body or chemicals on my body or medications that are killing my microbiome or cause I was just, you know, I was just shooting from the hip. If a doctor was like, Hey, you need an antibiotic for that. I was like, oh, cool. Antibiotic. How quick am I back at work? Um, Oh, Hey, you needed this or that. I was like, I was game for it all. I was just like, this is modern living and fuck. Yeah. You know, not thinking like, Oh, I should actually pause and go, are you sure I need this? Is there a way that I don't need this? Um, can I have it as a backup just in case? Like I've had a lot of dental work done after years of Crohn's and being nutrient depleted. Um, I have a lot of things that were breaking down from years of just lack of nutrition. And I had to have a tooth pulled and a, a tooth pulled in, put in. And I asked him, I'm like, do I need to take antibiotics? I have Crohn's this it's in remission, but I have this capacity and I really don't want to trigger it by fucking up my microbiome. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, well, you should really take it as a precaution. And I'm like, how about I take it if symptoms show up? What are the symptoms I need to look for? And the doctor was like, okay, not my ideal, but here are the symptoms. And guess what? I didn't have to take it because no symptoms came up. So I saved myself, but that's not old me. Old me was like done, you know, not mm-hmm. even a question because I'm healthy and I'm invincible. And yeah. And new me is like, all right, well, let's talk about this. (laughs) Let's weigh the pros and cons here. Con, it could trigger my autoimmune disorder by effing up my microbiome. Uh, Pro, I get to an infection before it can happen. I get it. But these days, it has to be a compelling reason for me to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's so many alternatives to antibiotics, so many herbals you could take, things that aren't going to damage your microbiome in that way. And antibiotics are so there's doctors are so quick to just give us an antibiotic as kind of a a precaution that isn't even necessary most of the time. And it really destroys your microbiome. So this is also, I think a really great lesson to question everything a, but also with antibiotics specifically to really, really ask yourself, do you actually need to be on this? Sure. If you're getting a surgery and you actually need to take it, that's not something you can control, but with something like that, I do, th- I do the same thing. I got my wisdom teeth taken out one at a time and both times I didn't end up needing them. And I waited and I was like, if I don't have any symptoms, there's no point in this. So I love that you brought that up. And when I was 18 and I had my wisdom all four taken out, they gave me Percocet or whatever. Wow. Vicodin, yeah. And, and antibiotics. And guess what? I didn't question it. I was like, I'm here for it. This mm-hmm. is cool. This is what we do in the modern world. F you hippie parents. Um, you know, so it was, <laughs> it was a, a lovely day for my parents when I was like, yeah, you guys were kind of right. <laughs> I'm sure they loved that. Yeah. They're like, uh, oh, duh, we did our research. Like, um, and you know, like I am not anti-medication. I am not anti-medicine in any way or antibiotics. I, in my journey, part of what caused the downward spiral before I got the diagnosis was because nothing was showing up. They were prescribing me 
um, exploratory antibiotics that I was taking. So I went from a pretty shitty situation, har har to Hmm. a really shitty situation because of the antibiotics I was taking as an exploratory, maybe it's a infection or maybe it's a, um, a parasite that we are not finding in your stool test. So these exploratory antibiotics just kind of put the final nails in the coffin of whatever my body was trying to like fix and figure out. Um, that was it from that moment on, I had fevers all the time. I, I, I had what felt like an infection after that. I felt like, okay, a bad situation just got a lot worse. Wow. So how do you go from having fevers all the time and losing all this weight? It sounds like, and not absorbing any of any of your food to finding the power of beans and healing yourself. What does that journey look like? Oh my goodness. Okay. So my GI kind of fired me or just recommended I seek help other help other places <laughs> because I every time he prescribed a path for me, I said no. Um, because I was really intent on healing naturally. There was this, it was interesting that that was the moment I came home. Like when I left home, I really left home. I was like, I'm not, you know, I, I'm believed in eating well and taking care of myself, but I also believed in, you know, having fun and eating sugar. I was raised without any sugar. And I was also believed that doctors are incredible and they're here to save your life. And if they want to put me on an antibiotic or a birth control pills, fuck yeah, I'm here for it. And, you know, even though interestingly enough, again, foreshadowing, I tried birth control pills so many times, IUDs after my kids were born and my body rejected it every single time, like absolutely rejected it. Yeah. And I was, and I listened because it was so painful. Like I suddenly would gain weight and I would, I'm a small person and my boobs were like massive. And I was like, okay, this doesn't work. This is definitely not how my body is supposed to be. It was like a cartoon, you know? Um, and I listened. So I was, I'm really, uh, I pat young me on the back for that, but, um, um, okay. So he was like, yeah, you have Crohn's and this is the path. And I was like, no, I'm going to heal this naturally. But it was that moment of diagnosis that my childhood, my upbringing came back to me. And I, I was like, my body can heal. If I turned on this trigger, if I trigger this genetic, I can turn off this genetic. How do I do that? Who in the world knows how to do that? And turns out nobody, people who said they could help you with autoimmune didn't help me with my autoimmune, um, diets that said it could help me with my inflammation really was like a tiny little bandaid on a gaping wound, you know, and nothing really was getting me there, but also nobody educated on the path of healing. And you and I were talking this before we hit record, but one of the things that my experience taught me was the path of healing is like nothing anybody talks about. I follow a ton of dietitians. I follow a ton of doctors. I follow a ton of health coaches. I follow researchers who write incredible books and think they have all the answers. But when the the thing that they don't have is the actual firsthand experience of what it takes to heal, because what it takes to heal isn't out there. It's not, Hey guys, here's the roadmap. It takes patience and persistence, and it takes going backwards and going forwards. And you feel like you're headed in the right direction and you're a little cocky. And then you veer off your path because, Hey, you need balance. And that balance that you think is so important totally annihilates you. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, you need a balanced diet, but you can't necessarily heal on a balanced diet. If you've got a real health imbalance. And I see these flippant posts all the time. And it, 
it hits me in a place that I can't even describe because I'm like, you're influencing all these people to think that they should be eating like you, but if they're not well, them eating like you might be an absolute detriment to their health because what it takes to heal is really profound. And you can look at the diet that it took me to heal and think, how could you ever do that? It's so restrictive, but it healed my autoimmune disorder. How many actual diets can say that? Like I am in remission because of food and because I let go of this idea of balance. I let go of this idea of I should be able to eat fruit and I should be able to eat dark chocolate and drink good wine. And these are all really good for you. And these are all things I should be able to do. No, I had to humble myself to the fact that I had abused my body into a corner and my body that was probably whispering at me for a long time was screaming bloody murder. And I couldn't deny it anymore. It was like, okay, you're absolutely full of inflammation. You are raging with inflammation. Everything from my mouth to my tail was covered in sores. Like I couldn't swallow without it hurting water would hurt. I couldn't drink water. I was nauseous all the time. Like I was, I was literally a deteriorating person walking around like, yeah, like the life force was literally pooped out of me. Like that's how many times I was food feeding. And, you know, I saw great doctors and they put me on great probiotics, but it was just a hot lava. They were just being killed on the hot lava highway. Like there was no way that these probiotics were going to help me. Like it was, the inflammation was too great. So the path of healing is, um, being willing to do things that you don't ever think that you'd be willing to do for your health. If you get that far down the road, if you catch it before, if you don't gamble on your health and you course correct your actions and you don't poison your incredible body all the time with horrible choices, then you may never have to go down the bleak and boring path of eating just strictly for the health of your body. Like I did. Um, but what I was doing wasn't about mouth party pleasure. It wasn't about, I need to get all of these nutrients to survive. It was, I just need to get enough protein in to maintain a heartbeat so I can heal. (laughs) I was like, there was, I tried in my life, I've tried to be vegan and I've tried to be vegetarian in a healthy body. And even in autoimmune, there's protocols that suggest that that's the best way to heal. I tried it. The only thing that ended up healing me in the beginning was nothing. It was little, literally plain white rice. Cause that's wow. the only thing that stopped my pooping. Yeah. And, and plain white rice is kind of like the devil, you know, it's like plain white rice, your blood yeah. and true, true facts. You should not be eating plain white rice if you don't have a reason to on its own, because blood sugar should be contemplated. But for me, because most of it was digested in my stomach, um, it actually gave my intestines a moment to rest. Whereas I was like trying to put bone broth down there and kefir and, you know, all of these things that on paper are nutrient dense and really important for healing and beautiful, wonderful. But when you're that far down the rabbit hole, that, that, that stuff was just triggering bile left and right, which triggered more inflammation in my intestines. And yeah. So I kind of like denied treatment. I know I just went on a tangent here, but it's, no, I love it. (laughs) I get a little heated. Um, (laughs) when I see people post things flippantly and I'm like, do you realize how many unwell people follow you? And your flippant comment could be the difference between them going into a massive flare. Um, because I did that. I saw people online posting stuff. I'm like, Oh, that's, what's going to heal me. Oh shit. Nope. Um, and people, 
Sorry, mm-hmm. just to yeah, interject yeah. there. I think that people are so quick to talk about intuitive eating and balanced eating as a cure-all for everyone. And there's a time and place for that. And I, I mean, your intuition, you should listen to it, but intuitive eating in the sense of the 10 principles and things like that are not going to help someone who is dying of uh, an autoimmune disease or and dying. I, I don't say that lightly. They're literally dying, losing weight, not absorbing their food. And there is no time and place for intuitive eating in that sense. So it's, it's not a one size fits all, even when it comes to intuitive eating, which seems like it would be. I think it's, I mean, seeing someone eat a cookie every day and saying that they have food freedom, that's amazing and good for them if they can do that, but it's not everyone and not everyone is going to be able to do that with their bodies. So I think it's, you have to be responsible about posting things like that. Yeah. And also I think the other thing, cause I, I researched intuitive eating as well and looking back at myself, if somebody said intuitively eat. I would have eaten all the sugar. I would have eaten all the sugar. I would have drank all the coffee. I would have eaten all the pies. Didn't matter where they came from. I just love me some pie. And I think I, having come from a background of childhood trauma, if somebody said to me, unique, intuitively eat, I had no intuitive connection to my body. There were too many other filters between me and my body. So intuitively eating for me is kind of what I did when I left home, which was Snickers for breakfast and, you know, pie in the car on my way home from school. And, you know, because I was intuitively filling the hole inside of me of, of confusion and sadness and insecurity and lack of self connection and, I had a very disordered relationship to food because I had a very disordered relationship to myself. Um, And intuitively eating, I think, can only work if you've worked on the relationship with yourself so that you can realize that the things that you are actually intuitively eating are nourishing your physical body, not just filling a hole that is gaping inside of you. And um, to me, I had way too many filters in front of my authentic self for me to truly nourish my body on a intuitive level. That's my thoughts on intuitive eating from a person with a very disordered relationship with herself and food for a very long time. Um, Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I work with a lot of disordered um, people who have disordered relationships. And I say disordered relationship to oneself because disordered eating and eating disorders are simply from my experience me, it was all stemming from the disordered relationship to myself. It was stemming from a superficial, um, sense of beauty. Uh, do I fit into this gene? Do I look like this person who I admire? And if I don't, then I'm bad and I need to not eat or whatever it was. It was like this mentality that was disordered in its own nature. And the food is just this object that I was placing these control systems on or lack of control system with, mm-hmm. right? It's like, so food, what I realized, cause I healed myself from my eating disorder because I had so much shame around having it in the first place. Cause I didn't know that's what I was doing until I was in health class and the teacher was teaching about eating disorders. And I was like a cold sweat. I was like, Oh fuck, I have an eating disorder. This is so bad. What am I doing? I'm going to kill myself. And went to the library and started researching eating disorders and literally healed myself one meal at a time. 
one meal at a time, I created mantras that, you know, food, this food, this meal heals me and I'm eating to heal me. And, and literally that mantra for the next year was what healed my relationship to food. And, and also made me kind of realize in the process that it had nothing to do with food because I was now applying top-down control to something that I had no control over before. And Mm -hmm. then it was like, okay, now the real work heal the relationship I have with myself. And then that would be the next 10 year, 15, 20 year project. I love it. It is so intricate that relationship to food and yourself and so interconnected. So I think that when you said that you've realized you had one, someone was talking about eating disorders and you said, Oh fuck, I have one. I think a lot of people probably have had that experience and probably didn't even handle it with the grace that you did by finding an affirmation to eat your food with by going on this journey to self-love. So I love the way you approach that. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't have the money to go find a fancy therapist, you know? So it was like, okay, how am I going to do this without having to see the school nurse? (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do you go from there to beans? Where did you find beans? Why, you know, beans are not a very sexy food or loved food <laughs> yeah, or loved. I mean, I love beans, but I know most people aren't too hot about them. So where did you come across the power of beans? Was it a book? Yeah. So I tried a bunch of protocols. I tried Ayurveda. I tried um, applying Chinese medicine principles. Um, I did acupuncture. I did raw food. I did gaps. I did um, breaking the vicious cycle with the carb specific diet. Um, I did paleo. I did Weston A. Price. Um, I really ran the gamut. And um, to my dismay, things were precarious band-aids at best that didn't hold when my period came around, because that was the other health imbalance that I had from a very young age, which was endometriosis. And so I would get these horrible periods that I would of course take painkillers for in a hot water bottle. Um, Mm. not knowing, not knowing that those painkillers were annihilating my gut biome, but I didn't know. And I didn't care. And I don't even think the research was out then at the time of like how detrimental it could be. Um, so, you know, I was just self-medicating all the time for these periods and my doctor's wisdom at the time was to have kids young. And if you do, you'll probably be able to have them because, um, your, all your symptoms are lining up with endo. Um, so I did, I actually had my kids young because of that. So most of the diets, if they helped me a little bit, they didn't help, you know, through my period, I would just go through a massive Crohn's flare. And that was something also that really wasn't reflected back at the time. You know, we're looking at 11, 12 years ago now. Um, and, I would say to my GI, like, you know, my Crohn's is kind of better before my period. Um, it's a little funny through ovulation, but then it gets really bad. And I have a major flare during my period, my Crohn's and my period flare at the same time. And he's like, yeah, that's not really a thing. And I was like, it's happening though. He's like, no, it's just the way Crohn's is. And I'm like, no, this is happening. Like I literally am like, there is a connection here. There's some inflammation triggering other inflammation and you know, I just felt like I was kind of crazy, like the crazy person, especially since, you know, when you deny treatment, you already kind of feel crazy. Um, yes. <laughs> so you're just like, do you want to kill yourself? And you're like, well, not currently, but there are moments. Um, so, you know, I was having these crazy flares and the protocols weren't working. And I was kind of, I had dropped down to 90 pounds at once uh, time or a couple of different times in my journey. I dropped down to 90 pounds. And like I said, I'm 
five, seven, and usually 130. So I was just a stick person wearing my daughter's skinny jeans. And even they were loose and baggy on me. Oh my God. I know it was kind of crazy to see myself that way. And it was also just as a side note, I know you're not going to let me get sidetracked here and t- not tell you about the bean <laughs> protocol, by the way. And I know like, you're on it. Tell me about the beans. <laughs> <laughs> but um, side note, it was interesting medicine being that skinny because, you know, you grow up thinking you can never be too skinny. And then this incredible medicine is served up on a platter and you're 90 pounds and your knees are too big and your hair is growing everywhere on your body. Cause when you get to a certain level of skinniness, your body starts to like almost cover every, like with a fuzz mm-hmm. and I remember looking in the mirror at this golem like creature and thinking, well, shit, you can be too skinny. <laughs> and, and now I know what that feels like. And I never need to be there ever, ever again. Thank you for the medicine. I receive it and I will move on now. Such anyway, good perspective. <laughs> yeah, it was well for the disordered relationship to the body Yeah, for this idea that you can never be too skinny um, for the perspective in the world that you can never be too thin, you know? it was this medicine that was like, actually you can. And, um, I would rather be a little round than a little stick figure is what I came to realize. And that, that medicine Mm -hmm. I took with me. So, um, so reached 90 pounds. The doctor was like, you know, are you open to a round of prednisone? I did. I actually went on a round of prednisone so I could gain weight. And it was miraculous. Like I gained crazy weight in six weeks that you should never be able to gain that much weight. (laughs) And, um, and that allowed me to continue my journey, but sadly nothing was working. So I was often home from work, really sick, working from bed. Um, you know, I oftentimes was too sick to pick up my kids from school and they would get rides home with other friends and, um, come and hang out with me in the bed. And I was kind of at the end of this journey for myself when the beans found me, because I felt like I had been selfish. Um, even though I really believed I could heal naturally. And I felt like I, I had to, I had to really deplete that, that journey before I gave in to the parachute, which is how I viewed the offerings from the medical world. It was my parachute. It was going to save my life. And I was so happy it was there, but it wasn't where I wanted to begin, you know? Um, and I was kind of at the end where I was like defeated. I had tried everything out there. I had met with specialists. I had done everything that I could do for my autoimmune disorder and nothing was really helping me. So I was like, okay, I think I have to come to terms with the fact that this leg of my healing journey might be over. And that was when a really good friend of mine dropped off Karen Hurd's book at my house. And I told her I wasn't going to see her. Cause I was like, I just can't see anybody right now. I'm so sick. And she's like, okay, well, I'm just going to leave the book at your door and, and I'm going to leave. And I'm like, well, have you read the book? And she's like, no, I haven't. I just feel like this is, this book can help you. And I feel like, you know, and I, what I didn't know was that she had dropped it off at my office two weeks before, but I still was so sick that I hadn't been back to work. So she picked it up from my office and dropped it off at my house. And I was like, I I learned that years later, I was like, dude, you're amazing. How did you? And she's like, I just kept getting this ping that I had to drop it off at your house, like give it to you. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. Uh, My angel, definitely my angel. What a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. Um, So I hobble to the door. I pick it up. Karen's book is called, they said, they said it wasn't possible. And I was like, yeah, no shit. And then I started reading it and it's like these testimonials from her clients going, I was da 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 and da 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 healed me. And I was like, beans, like every 
doctor I've met with, every, you know, inflammatory specialist I've met with has said, stay far away from beans, you know, and here this woman, this crazy woman was like, eat beans. And I was like, okay. So at the time I was eating meat and potatoes. That was like the extent of what I could eat. And mm-hmm. like, that was it. And, um, and water and so skinny. And I was like, okay, so we're going to start eating beans. So I started buying cans of black beans and rinsing them and adding them in. And, and they didn't make me worse. Uh, nothing could make me worse. I was um, nauseous all the time, 24 seven. I was in pain all the time, 24 seven, no sleeping, no ever sleeping, like passing out. Yes. Sleeping. No. Um, oh pooping constantly, never resorted to a diaper, but thought about it. Um, and just, I was in such bad shape that I was like, what do I have to lose? you know? And, uh, that was the beginning after a few days of eating beans on my own, I booked an appointment with her. Um, that was when she was still doing consultations and the rest is history. I mean, I, I mean, in a sense, the rest is history because it changed the course of my life to realize that there was somebody out there who understood, and there was somebody who had the tools, um, and provided me the tools, But what it also provided me the experience, this profound humbling experience was that the way our bodies heal is nothing like I had seen anywhere else. And firsthand experiencing this ebb and flow of healing and the mitoses of different cells in the body. And why didn't any doctor ever tell me that the mitoses of the mouth to the anus is every three days of the cells of the epithelial, like that's huge news. That's huge news because that meant that I could fast for three days and get new cells running from my mouth to my anus. Like, hello, that's amazing. You know? So this information was actually information that I constantly use because every time I would backslide and a lot of times because of my own doing, I had fruit and that fruit was too acidic and the sugar spiked my blood sugar. And I was so sick that I had crazy blood sugar and I was so sick that I had crazy blood pressure. And these are all things that people don't take into consideration when they're telling you to go on a protocol that has all of these really healthy things. But if you're a really sick person, chances are your blood sugar is whacked out. Your inflammatory markers are crazy. Your um, blood pressure is off the charts. And mine was like, all of those things were true for me. Oh, and I had candida. Wow. To top it all off. (laughs) Thank you. Yeast infections and UTIs. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So Karen heard for those who are listening, if they don't know, she's a nutritional biochemist, correct? Yes. And she had this own experience with her daughter who Ruth. Yes. Ruth, who was basically dying and told she only had days to months to live. Karen went into the library, I think. And she just started reading about nutritional biochemistry, reading about how to heal her daughter and wouldn't stop until she found the way. And what did she find that was so special about beans specifically that would cause all of this miraculous healing? Well, she discovered the enterohepatic recirculation, which is not something we talk about enough. Um, I think most of the research papers I see out there are to do with drugs and Mm -hmm. this pathway, right? So nobody's really looking at this pathway of like, okay, you have this bile that recirculates at the tone of 95%, right? We're incredible recyclers Mm -hmm. and efficient. Um, But what happens if that, if, if we put our most toxic information, um, fat soluble information 
in through our liver liver and in through the bile, what happens to that bile if it's not being removed and it's being recycled at the rate of 95%? What is that a recipe for? That is a recipe for disaster. So I made all these poor choices, many poor choices. I don't need to get into them here, but a lot of poor choices, food being just one of them. And <laughs> I was pretty toxic. I, I could feel it. So the thing that made sense to me about the soluble fiber enterohepatic recirculation system was that, oh, if I can pull down some of these poor choices and remove it from my body, then that is going to help the entire conversation of this autoimmune disorder that I've triggered. And it did. And it took a while. Like my healing process was a year and a half. And I had a diet mentality, which was you you're on something only as long as you need to lose the weight. And then you're off back on your merry way. So to be on a protocol and stay with it for a year and a half, and then ultimately, well, nine and a half years I've been on this protocol. Wow, It's different now than it was in the healing stage, but, um, it took time. It took time for my body to not just pull down those toxins, but then, you know, you're constantly making new bile and, um, new healthy bile. That's maybe not as laden with toxins as originally. So anyway, Karen figured this out. She was able to heal her daughter by pulling out the bile that was carrying the tox, you know, the toxic exposure that she had been exposed to her baby and, um, and was able to heal and not just her, but her whole family that had been exposed to the, um, pesticides that they had bombed her house with. And, um, and then she went on to get her nutrition, um, degree and, and then later, later became a biochemist. And, and she's just an amazing person. I love her focus and I love being mentored uh, by her over the years because her, her goal in life is an, to empower people to heal themselves through food. And to me, that's incredible because I was raised thinking that, well, I was raised by my parents to think that food was enough in the world. You get this idea that food isn't enough and our food system is broken and um, you can't get enough nutrients from food alone. I've been on the bean protocol for nine and a half years. I get my blood work done two to three times a year. I am supplement free. All of my wow. biomarkers are perfect. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm not on any supplements. I use supplements with my clients sometimes to help bring up levels, but, mm -hmm. and I check it constantly a, because I have a history of autoimmune that I, I want to catch anything before it's a problem mm -hmm. Two, I'm, I'm not supplementing. So I want to make sure that my food is enough. And if it's not, I want to know where I need to eat more of X, Y, or Z, but to actually see that it's possible when you have this rhetoric in the world of health of like, you have to supplement to be healthy. I was like, yeah, well, you know what, maybe later in life, that'll be a conversation that I have to have for whatever reasons. But as long as I can eat for health and I can test and show that I am hundred percent healthy with food alone. Yeah. I'm in. Wow. So you don't have any supplements. You're eating beans all the time. What is it about the beans? What nutrient in the beans is helping with this enterohepatic circulation pathway? The soluble fiber. They beans, which is hilarious that they're demonized, probably the one food that can save human health yeah. um, because of lectins and anti-nutrients. But then oh when you gosh. start reading the literature, you're like, all plants have anti-nutrients. It's a protective system. You cook them. You don't eat a bean raw. If you eat a bean raw, then you're going to get very sick. But if you cook it, Lectins are not a problem. Like most vegetables um, that have a anti-nutrient component, you cook it. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
Um, and it's a kind of a non-issue. So, um, but yeah, they have soluble fiber, the most soluble fiber of any plant, um, food really oatmeal has a little bit psyllium husk has the, uh, it is an equal, um, you know, if you're going to not, if you don't want to do beans, you can do psyllium husk and it has the same effect. Um, but it's a soluble fiber that actually has a complex webbing that really can capture bile and, and then you poop it out versus it recirculate again in the, yeah. Love it. Soluble fiber is so good for you and so essential. It not only does what you just said, but it helps to lower your cholesterol levels. It helps. But to- why is that? Because of the, it's absorbing the cholesterol. <laughs> yeah. Because bile is made out of triglycerides. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's the difference between for someone listening, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber, fiber that is in most fruits and vegetables? It's, it's bulking more like that dietary fiber is going to be more bulking. It's going to, um, you know, feed your microbiome, um, you know, and you poop all fiber out, no fiber crosses the, you know, the blood barrier. Like it, it doesn't cross the intestines. It's not, it's literally you eat fiber and fiber comes back out of you. So, uh, the dietary fiber is more of a bulking agent, um, soluble fiber. It, it's like the information you see out there is like, Oh, it'll help you poop or, but it really acts differently in each person. Some people, if they eat too much beans or too much vegetables, they get really backed up. Um, and other people, it makes them poop so well that they can't imagine that they can poop so well. So it's really an individual journey. I would say that most people are fiber deprived, whether it's dietary fiber or soluble fiber. Um, and then when they hear it's good, they start loading up on it. And a lot of times they're just very unhappy because their microbes are really not used to the interaction of all that fiber. Mm. So I just want to say both are necessary for important. Yeah. Yeah. Both types of fiber are required, but the beans offer that fiber, the soluble fiber, that is what you're talking about. It's absorbing things like cholesterol. It's helping with your enterohepatic circulation and helping you actually detoxify instead of what people say your body does naturally, which is your liver detoxifies, but you have to help it. You have to eat right. So that your liver can actually get rid of the toxins in your body. You can't just expect your liver to do all the work. Well, that's the other thing I love about this protocol. And I love working with it is because I grew up in detox cleanse Mm. mentality in, in California, where it's like, you're always going on a liver detox and you're always doing this. And, you know, grew up doing it. And, and you start to think like the human body is perfect and profound as it is. Um, and, if we support the body doing what it already does, then you don't need to go on all these crazy detoxes and cleanses that force your body to do things that it's not like, why would you want to force your body to do something that it already does to me? I am very intuitive. Now I do listen to my body and this natural constant detox is incredible versus, oh, I'm going to go on this crazy detox and force my body to do all of these things. I'm like, "Mm." now my whole thing these days is how can I live in synchronicity with my body in honoring my body and listening to my body versus forcing it to do anything that it doesn't want to do. I want that to be like the quote of this episode. That was so (laughs) profound because we don't need all these external things to have our body do what it's meant to do. But we do have to keep in mind that we're living in a world that's feeding us misinformation a lot of the times. 
And also just exposed to a lot of toxins. When you see how many new toxins are in our environment and created every single day and every single week, you realize that the human body wasn't equipped to handle what we're exposed to today. Um, I mean, if you look at, I have so many women coming to me with thyroid problems. Why do so many women have thyroid problems? Why do so many women have Hashimoto's? Why do so many women have hormonal imbalances? Why do so many women have cholesterol issues and, uh, you know, blood sugar imbalances and autoimmune? Like you start to look at, yes, we're living longer, but what's happening? What's actually happening here? Why are we so exposed to so many chemicals and how are they actually affecting us? And it's profound. Like, I know that, that you are beginning this journey, but it is profound when you realize how many people are unwell. Oh, I, yeah, yes, it is. The deeper I get in this journey from the time I was 15 and first got into nutrition and food as medicine and our bodies and really how they work, the more I see how much misinformation there is out there, how many people are truly sick and how many people think they're doing the right things for their bodies and think they're helping themselves and healing themselves. And they're actually not doing that at all. It's crazy to me. Yeah. And it's individual. You know, I think that when I first came, when I first put my book out and when I, um, first started really working with people, which was probably six years ago, um, I was coaching for free with, you know, Karen, I would, people would come to me and then I would suggest that they go to work with Karen and then I would coach them and I would just do yeah. it for free because I had a full-time job and I really didn't ever see myself leaving my career before. So that was kind of funny. Wow. Um, yeah. And, um, so I really had the incredible benefit of being on the other side of her and her protocols and her methodology and seeing how she was kind of like working with everybody. And it was just incredible. And then to watch these people, their life and their health change and their reality change. The other thing that was profound to me is realize that you can give everybody the tools or you can give somebody the tools and they can even get better, but how many people revert back to old habits and then, um, their, all of their old symptoms come back as well. Like that is profound to me where you're just like, wait, you were given the keys to the kingdom and you use them and then you threw them away and you're like, and now I'm back to my old patterns and, you know, and, and your just mind is blown. Cause you're like, wait, you just, you just got back to health. How did you throw that away? And, and I saw that so much and I was like, okay, no, that is never going to be me. I am never going to get healthy and then go back into a Crohn's flare because that is exactly what they expect from me. And I will not be that person. <laughs> well, I will people, not. Yeah. Well, people are, they're so used to taking a medicine and then going back to what they were doing before. Cause the medicine has quote unquote healed them. So I think it's maybe even like a, a reflex that we have where it's like, we think that you just do the protocol and then you get better and then you're supposed to stay better while doing what you were doing before that got you sick. So it's a funny, it's a funny thing that medicine I think has instilled in us. And of course there's a time and place for medicine. Like you were saying, I feel like sometimes it sounds like I'm bashing it completely. <laughs> I think there is definitely a time and place for Western medicine, but I think that habit that we've picked up that we think that it's like the medicine is the key to all of our problems. And then we stop taking it and we're supposed to stay healthy. It's just not real. So, oh yeah. Take a pill and eat whatever you want. It's like, it's a fallacy. Um, yeah. it's, yeah. you know, it's probably why uh, immune autoimmune is a secular thing, right? You go under remission, you flare. I mean, I have a lot of clients who have autoimmune. They come to me on their biologics and they're still not doing well. 
And then the combination of being on protocol and their biologics is the magic key for them where they're like, Hey, I feel comfortable that I'm taking this medication. That's helping me stay in remission, but I know I'm also nourishing my cells and getting the nutrients I need. And I'm having good bowel movements and I'm no longer having crazy diarrhea all the time. And I feel really good. So this combination works. And I'm the first person to say, find the combo that works for you. My, my journey is not everyone's journey. And mm -hmm. I'm here to support you being your healthiest self, period, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. Um, I'm definitely not like everybody should be medication free because maybe that's not the case. And the first thing that humbled me on the healing journey was to realize that A, there's not a one size fits all. Um, B, most of the people I work with have tried everything else first. And how I describe the protocol, which is the desperation diet is kind of where they're at. They're just like, you know what, Unique, I have never eaten beans or beans are the worst or how can I eat them? And, but you know what I'm showing up because I, I can't live like this anymore. And everything I've tried to date doesn't work. And I'm washing up on your shore because I'm here. I'll do whatever it takes. And I'm like, all right, then I know you're ready. Cause you don't need convincing. If you need convincing, you're not ready. You know, mm -hmm. like the bean protocol is too crazy of a, of a fringe path, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I, I wanted to ask you actually, who is this meant for? Like if someone is healthy, I know they can benefit from beans, but the actual protocol you're talking about, and I'd love to get into what that actually means, how often you're eating beans, or maybe if it's, it's personal to everyone, but who is going to benefit from this? Everybody's going to benefit from having um, wonderful amounts of fiber in their diet, both for, uh, like we talked about cholesterol for, um, blood sugar imbalances, eating more fiber rich foods is really incredible for slowing down, you know, your, your insulin spikes and rises. So, um, I would say eating, adding, slowly adding beans into your diet is wonderful for anybody. It is personal. I work with people who have PCOS, um, endometriosis, light hormonal imbalances, deep hormonal imbalances. I work with fertility. I would say the majority of my clientele is 95% women. Um, oh, wow. yeah, 95% women. I have some men that I work with for various autoimmune, um, usually Crohn's colitis, stuff like that. Um, and, and fibromyalgia I work with and, um, rheumatoid arthritis, um, gut issues of all kinds. People come to me who've been treated for SIBO with doctors, with other healthcare professionals. And they're like, everybody tells me to stay away from beans. And, and then for the first time in their life, they're actually having bowel movements and feeling good. So it's, it's humbling to realize that everything that's out there might be wrong and it's confusing because it might be wrong. And you're just like, wait, how does this work? If the things that I'm supposed to trust can't be trusted, but honestly, the thing I would say the most is that it's incredibly individual. Be unafraid to try things that you haven't tried um, on the path of healing is what I would say. But yes, so my protocol, I kind of work with whoever is ready for it. Um, and then I create a protocol for them. I also offer a more um, kind of like choose your own adventure on my, on my e-course, which is like gut and hormone eight weeks do most hormone issues rebalance in eight weeks, not necessarily usually another month is required, but the goal of my course is to introduce people to beans that don't eat beans. So it's a slow introduction, a very slow introduction of beans, which by the way, the first thing you learn is people don't listen. They're like, I'll be like, add a tablespoon in. And they're like, I'm eating three cans and I feel horrible. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's a slow introduction to the bean life and ultimately where <laughs> it drops you off is kind of a longevity plan. Literally the plan I've been on for the last seven, seven years. Wow. So how many beans do you eat a day? I eat soluble fiber three times a day, either in bean okay. form or sometimes in husk form. If I'm going on a date with my husband, then I'll do psyllium husk before I go out. Um, cause I, I tell everybody, I'm like, don't try to find beans out because if you do, <laughs> they're probably like full of lard and nobody right. understand. Very few people understand beans. Um, so they just kind of cover them up with other flavors, but, um, I do three times a day. If I'm super stressed out, I'll do more. Uh, I kind of like toggle it in my life. Um, stressful times more chill times less, but never less than three times a day. I throw in beans to everything. If I'm making a big salad, I throw in lentils. If I'm making a, um, a dinner, I'll have a side of, of some, you know, maybe a lentil salad or chickpeas or something like, I just kind of use them as I use them as part of, I like I would anything, which is vegetables, protein, healthy fats, beans. It's a food group. It's its own it's food, a food group. group. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I love what you said about taking it slow, because I think a lot of people do that where they'll add a food in beans or any other food and they'll think they don't tolerate it. They think they have food insensitivities or food sensitivities um, or food intolerances. That's, I kind of made them into one, but (laughs) they, they think that they don't tolerate these things and they think that they're quote unquote bad for them or their body doesn't know how to handle it, but it's just like a slow dance. You have to add them in slowly. You have to be very mindful of how much fiber you add to your diet at one time, especially if you're not eating enough to begin with. So that's a great, that's a great point to make. And I know that you also add fats when you eat beans. I've heard you say that on a different podcast. What does that look like? What's the mechanism or the reason behind eating beans with fats? So Depends on the health imbalance. If you're eating fats with your beans or not. Um, okay. Um, I would say most people, healthy people who are listening to this should just add beans into their diet, not worry about any like, um, therapeutic uses of beans, because that's a more tailored process to what's going on in their lives. But I would say most people would just benefit from adding beans and you know, I have beans with arugula and avocado and salmon all the time, which are high fat foods. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I'll use liberal amounts of olive oil on it because I don't have any health imbalances and I'm always looking to get more healthy fats in period, um, for anti-aging, for hair, skin, and nails for, um, just having good, you know, those good omegas. So, um, I would say I wouldn't worry about separating. I would more, suggest that people just slowly begin to enter them into their lives. Um, in a small way, think about your body when we do anything in big amounts of often it's overwhelming to our incredible bodies, whether it's a lot of alcohol or a lot of sugar or a lot of fat all at once. And that's the other thing people will do. Cause I do a pretty hefty fat snack every day in the form of nuts and people will start eating tons of nuts and they'll feel kind of sick. Um, so I would say anything that's new, I feel the most respectful thing to do is kind of like offer it to your body. Like, Hey, how do you feel about this? Check it out again, you know, respectfully engaging with our bodies of how does this, I, I ask my clients ask, is this nourishing you? 
communicate with your body. Like, Ooh, how does that feel? Does that feel good? Oh yeah, that does feel good. Okay, cool. And then respectfully adding it in a little bit more the next day and just kind of like slowly adding it in. So your body has this opportunity to not only get used to it, but, um, digest it properly. I love that. That's a great question. Anyone can ask that too. Not just people on the protocol, but with any food you're eating, that's a really great thing to do to really honor and respect your body. So I love it. Um, we are running out of time. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I had one last question and that is what is your favorite bean? That is a rotating question for me because <laughs> when I was healing, I really only ate black beans and, oh. um, yeah, it was just black beans for years in my house because I tried other beans and they just gave me copious amounts of gas and already the things that people don't talk about for an autoimmune disorder, like Crohn's that, you know, you're pretty gassy and it's pretty ghastly. Um, <laughs> so I was always looking for the bean that gave me the least amount of um, bloating and gassiness and, and being in a person who had endo, I had a pretty, uh, incredible amount of hormones going through my system, which was also part of the fermentation that was happening. And my gut microbes were fermenting like crazy. Cause they were like, Whoa, beans, this is crazy. Um, so I was just like a air balloon a lot of the times. And what I noticed by trying one bean at a time, which is what I recommend anybody do don't go and buy 10 pound bag of black beans and then realize that you don't digest them. Well, get like cans of beans, try them one at a time and see if you can find a bean that doesn't give you that interstellar gas and bloating. So black beans, French green lentils are my favorite. I just eat them all the time. I eat them, you know, in salads, everything, chickpeas. I went through a, chi a chickpea kind of craze where I was just chickpea, everything, chickpea <laughs> pancake, chickpea muffin. Actually I have a chickpea muffin on my recipe blog. Oh my um, yeah, just chickpea everything. And then now I'm back to, I'm now I'm at Navy beans and, uh, green lentils. Nice. Lentils are my favorite too. They're the best. The best. Oh, I just found this recipe for a red lentil pancake, uh, like a Ooh. red lentil, um, um, tortilla where you can, um, blend them and put herbs. I like to put herbs in it. And then you do it almost like a crepe in the pan, really thin, and you can use it like a wrap. Oh, that sounds so good. It is. Wow. Do you also use bean flour? Does that count as beans? It does. And um, people, oh. a lot of my clients will do a bean pasta. Oh, okay. Wow. That's great. So it's not like you have to eat them in the form of beans. No. And it's a great way to get kids to eat them because if you yeah. make that, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's great to know. Just start, start eating lentil or chickpea pasta and you're good to go. If, if you yeah. don't like beans. Oh, and yeah. those taste so they taste like pasta. They don't really taste like beans. So that's yeah. a really great really great alternative. You just have to cook them at the right stop at the right time. Because if you don't, they disintegrate pretty quickly because mm -hmm. of the soluble fiber content. So they're like, you have that five, five seconds where it's like perfect. And then it's not anymore. It's like an <laughs> avocado. <laughs> you have to be careful about your, about your pasta, your bean pasta cooking. That's a good, good note as well. Well, that was so informative and just so inspiring to hear your story again. And all the words of wisdom that you that you sprinkled in throughout the way. It was so lovely to talk to you today. Do you have time for me to ask you my five rapid fire questions that I ask all my guests? Do it. Amazing. Okay. And then I'll let you tell everyone where to find you and things like that. So the first question, which I don't know if this is going to work with you because I think you mentioned you don't really eat fruit, but the question is what's your favorite fruit? 
Blueberries. Okay. So do you, now that you're in remission, are you able to eat some fruits? I do. I'm still not gravitated to a lot of sugar. Um, mm. I have diabetes in my family and, mm. um, I, my mom, my mom is pre-diabetic. My grandma had diabetes. So I really stick with the berries, high fiber, less sugar, antioxidants. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love blueberries. They're so good. Oh my God. Right now they're amazing. I know. Oh my gosh. What is, um, your sun sign? I'm Pisces. Nice. What is one book that changed your life that you would recommend to everyone? I think I know what you're going to say, but maybe it's a different one. Well, on the healing journey, Karen's book obviously changed the course of my life. So I would, it would be silly for me not to mention, um, her book, but I would say, uh, there's just so many books that have inspired me to become a better person. Um, Byron, Byron Katie's book, her work inspired me, um, on my path of healing, um, where, when things fall apart by Pima, I think it's Pima, um, children, I think that pronunciation is right. Probably <laughs> not, but anyway, her book, um, when things fall apart was life-changing for me as well in a time in my life where everything was falling apart and to actually realize that the falling apart was the most incredible gift that I ever received. So, um, those books, I would say. Wow. I love it. And I love Byron Katie. She's a a very life-changing author. If you read her books. Yeah. And it's, I think it's controversial, you know, to the extent, um, there's definitely some controversy there, but for me, it was a relief to realize that I wasn't my thoughts and that my thoughts were not about things and situations were not the end all be all of truth because I was a very self-righteous person and being right was really important to me to have these teachers come through my life that allowed me to shake loose this grip that I had on these, what I thought were truths really set me free where I was like, Oh, all of these things that I thought, and I don't have to walk around carrying them like a, like a badge, these, these traumas or whatever happened to me. I don't have to carry them like a badge of honor um, and baggage. I can actually move through these things and let them go. And it, it lightened my load. I felt like I'd been carrying a heavy, a backpack full of rocks my whole life. And it literally felt like I had just released all of these rocks out of my backpack. So, wow. I love that analogy. I think Byron Katie, what she does and same with Louise Hay. I don't know if you've read any of her books, but they both kind of help you come back to the present moment without, like you said, all the baggage from the past. And I think that's a really important place to be in. So I love, I, I don't think she's controversial. I think she's great, but <laughs> I did. Too. I did too. I did. Too. Yeah. yeah. I think the practices she talks about are, are great. So yeah. that's a great answer. What is one habit or ritual that you do every day? That's a non-negotiable for you. Getting outside and watching the sunrise. That oh, is a non-negotiable. That. Yeah. My, when I was sick, I didn't sleep. I, I mentioned that. And mm-hmm. Um, I would walk around the house in pain and then I would pass out in weird places in the house, wherever I was, I'd just kind of pass out and sleep for 45 minutes, quote unquote sleep. But um, watching the sunrise was my beacon of hope because I was never sure what was going to happen in the night. Things always get worse at night in my Mm -hmm. experience and in my illness and in every flu I've ever had, Mm -hmm. Um, everything gets worse at night. And so this sun coming up was like, not only am I alive, 
but I made it to another day to continue this journey of really coming back to my body and realizing that I had gotten so far away from my body in the course of my life, treating it like it was a thing versus that it was me um, Mm. and having this kind of detached relationship with it. So the sun rising was my beacon of hope. And now it is my gratitude practice. So I watch the sunrise every morning. What a lovely reminder. I love that. The last question is what are your thoughts on thriving? This podcast is obviously called thoughts on thriving. So what do you think the key is to living a life that is full of fulfillment and just thriving in this life? Well, for me, the baseline of thriving is good health. Um, without good health, one cannot thrive. I know this firsthand. I had built this life that I loved and I could not enjoy it. I could not thrive. I could not do anything when I was sick. So to me, thriving means you're in this really beautiful, loving, kind relationship with your body where you're not just eating hedonistically for pleasure all the time, but you're actually considering, does this nourish me? Um, you know, and does this give me the vitality I need to live this life and, and thrive to be honest. So eating well, doesn't just work on the cellular level. It works on the emotional and mental level as well, but also it requires dedication and anything that requires dedication to self is an act of self-love. So to thrive is to really consider your incredible human body. Amazing. The best note to end on to this lovely conversation. Thank you so much, Unique, for coming on. This was so amazing. I know you have a course that you mentioned. You offer your one-on-one coaching. You also have a podcast, which I can't wait to listen to. And you're also on Instagram. So could you just share with everyone where they can find you? I'm sure everyone wants to go stalk you now after listening (laughs) to this. Yes. Come, come one, come all. Um, You can find me on Instagram at uh, unique Hammond. And, uh, yes, it's unique. Like it sounds. Um, <laughs> and my website is you can find me by Googling the bean protocol. Um, I'm also on Instagram at the bean protocol and, um, my website is your great.com Y O U R E great.com. Amazing. Everyone go over to Unique's pages, her website, and go find all the stuff that she offers. You also wrote an amazing book too. So can we find that anywhere books are sold? Amazon. I self-published that book and it's called Your Taste Buds Are Assholes because, well, mine were. And <laughs> uh, my second book that I am now looking to publish is Ooh. the bean. It's going to be the bean protocol, but it's full. It has um, gut healing protocols in it and recipes and antidotes and testimonies. Oh, I love it. That's going to be such a good read to anyone who was, you know, interested in this conversation, even in the slightest, that's going to be at the top of my list when it comes out. So thank you you so much. I hope you all have a lovely rest of your day as well. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Unique, once again. Thank you.